Welcome to the Israel Conversation by the Massah Leadership and Impact Center. We are informally debating issues that concern Zionists about culture and politics in Israel. Hi, I'm Liel, your host. I'm here with Alan and Mike. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. How you doing? I feel scattered. For not My okay, brain feels scattered. I'm okay. Yeah, we're all scattered. We definitely all feel scattered. Agreed. It's not easy to think and feel all at the same time. Um, today, we're going to be talking about two potential successes uh, of the war, uh, successes of Israel. One is the goals of this war. The goals of this war, as the Israeli government has stated, is to dismantle Hamas, as well as bring the hostages home. And the second thing we're going to focus on is the PR war and whether or not a success is relevant to achieve there. So the first thing we're going to talk about is whether it's realistic or achievable to even have these two main goals, this this dismantling of Chabas and bringing the hostages home. Is this something that's realistic? Is this something that's achievable? There's so much emphasis that's been put on these two specific goals. It's in a very, very clear way, pretty much from day one, day two, that this was the goal of this war. Um, So are these realistic? Are these achievable? And what does winning, essentially, within this focal point or these two focal points look like for Israel at the end of it all? So, Alan, what are your thoughts on on the goals and the success, the potential of success and realistic achievement. Thanks for letting me me start and hopefully letting me start and hopefully with my scattered brain, I'll be able to make some sense of this. Uh, part of it is, I guess, for me that, you know, we, as we're very much focusing on the South, the North doesn't let us forget that it's still part of this thing. And just a little while ago, there were rockets that were shot pretty far down into Israel, into mm-hmm. the not just on the northern border, but into the area that's called near Haifa, called the Krayot. So it's a little bit uh, an Akko in those places. Okay, so 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 I guess that you know we're going to focus on what winning or looks like as the stated goals, and maybe not necessarily some of the more deeper goals of transforming the the Middle East, right? And I think that it's a real problem. These two goals are real problems, right? The 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 problem of getting rid of Hamas is one problem and the returning of the hostages. So so first of all to take on uh to to get rid of Hamas is seemingly to me an almost impossible impossible mission. It's way way too big because you're you're not first of all you're not dealing with just a a, a leadership or a state a state actor. You're dealing with a movement. Um and a movement which is spread throughout uh, uh many different areas. For instance, the north in Lebanon, Hamas has presence in Lebanon, right? And many times through the last over month, Hamas from Lebanon has attacked us in, in Israel. So Hamas is not just sitting, and and its leadership is not even sitting in Gaza. Its its main, you know, political leadership. If you, I don't really like to separate those, but if so-called pro, uh, political leadership is sitting in in Qatar, so uh, to get rid of that seems like. Even just those little things seem like almost impossible. Plus, going uh, as we see now, the 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 um, the population is moving south. There's a very good chance that, along with the population, are Hamas operative Hamas militants, terrorists moving south with the people. Um, Israel Israeli military let uh, showed a video uh, showed a, an audio of Hamas speaking between themselves about how they escaping in ambulances from the north to the south. So. 
to to think that we're going to get rid of them in that sense seems like a way too um, big of a job. And that their main goal, they made the, they made their statement on October seventh. They won the war already, in their opinion. They did it. They they murdered twelve hundred Jews in Israel. They took took over Israeli settlements for hours, for hours upon hours. They um, they they managed to show the weakness of Israel. And they also obviously managed to bring uh, hostages, uh, 240 hostages, we'll get to in a second, back into Gaza. And still, this time, 30, what day, what day are we at? 37 day of the war? They're still shooting rockets into Israel. Yes, not as much as they were on the first days, and maybe less than they were a week ago or two weeks ago, but there's still rockets coming into Israel today from, from Gaza. So from their perspective, they've won the war. What they have to do now is survive. And I think that these survival tactics of having leadership outside, other operatives in other places, terrorists in other places, and those who are getting out of things. So we'll kill a few thousand and maybe we'll knock a number of, of, of tunnels, but they'll say, okay, in 10 years, we'll be back to the, even stronger than we were now. That's exactly what happened in 2014. We gave them a serious blow, a real serious blow in 2014 in Suketan, Operation Protective Edge. We gave them a serious blow. We said, okay, that's it. They are, right? And it took them nine years to, to get to the point where they are much stronger than they were in, in, in 2014. So they'll do the same thing now. So that, to me, the military, uh, militarily, this we will not be able to accomplish that goal. As for the hostages, I mean, it's something that I'm, I'm, I'm literally losing sleep over. It's, I think everybody in Israel is. It's a just, it's so, it's not only my heart, it's my soul hurts from it. I, I'm in, pain from the, these hostages and thinking what they're going through and their poor families. And uh, there's just not a thing. I, I, it's hard to imagine a scenario where you're dealing with people who did all those graphic things. I'm not going to talk about that. They've talked about, you've heard all those atrocities, other places. Imagine those people making a deal with those people for, for, for all the hostages. It just does not seem realistic. Maybe some, they'll filter a little bit here. They they use it as a psychological warfare. They know the minute they give up the hostages, they've given up their biggest playing card. And they've since Tsuketan, they've held bodies of uh of Israeli soldiers who were killed in Tsuketan. They've still they're still holding them now. They've been holding Israeli citizens. These are, we've had two Israeli citizens who've been held in Hamas custody now for, for I don't know how many years. Right. So they they will not give back the the hostage. Maybe we'll get a few here. Maybe even they're talking about a big deal. Today on the news, they're talking about a big deal of 80 hostages. Okay, God willing, I hope eight, 240 and maybe some, you know, no way. And and then we know I think there's something, I don't remember what the number is of of soldiers, but you know, and again, Hamas defines will define soldiers. I, I'm absolutely positive they will define soldiers as anybody over 18, like between the ages of 18 and like, you know, 50 will be considered a soldier, whether they're in active duty or not. So I, I, I just cannot imagine a situation where Hamas will do that. The only thing I can imagine is that Israel I, on some like, you know, Hollywood scenario, you know, finds, uh, you know, gets to all the hostages are being held in some place, uh, a miraculous rescue, which of course is, you know, uh, Allah and Tebi, which is obviously very, very small, but that's what I pray for. But in terms of, you know, that, uh, leaving that, I don't see it. Yeah. I've played that scene in my head several times. Yeah. (laughs) I know exactly what you're talking about. Mike, what, what do you... uh... I'm taking the other position that these are achievable goals. And I think that if you define them 
uh, pessimistically, then, you know, I understand Alan's point. But on the other hand, look, let's take the first one first. Can we dismantle Hamas? In 2014, we did not. We degraded their capabilities, which they then rebuilt. That is very different than how uh, allied nations took out Al-Qaeda and took out ISIS. In other words, they didn't kill every single member of Al-Qaeda or ISIS. But functionally, those organizations no longer are on the world stage. Can they rebuild new organizations? Can they even give it the same name in 10 years, 20 years? I don't know. But for now... Uh, Al-Qaeda has been wiped out and has not stuck its head up again as a functional organization. Are there other evil people doing other evil things? Yes. In the Middle East, for sure. But not degrading an organization's capability, but decapitating it. You're talking about people in Qatar? Ask the terrorists who did the Munich massacre if being in other sovereign states kept them immune from Israeli retribution. In other words, I don't know if they're going to fall down flights of stairs or have accidents where a motorcycle blows up at that. I don't know what's going to happen, but none of those people are safe. I don't believe that the Israelis are going to let any of those people survive. Whether they're in Lebanon or Qatar, they're dead. They're dead men walking. And by the way, they know it. That's why Hanan Nasrallah lives like in a padded room in the north as the head of Hezbollah, because he... They are, they feel vulnerable. That's why Hamas has built an underground city because they're terrified. Well, what happens when we enter the underground city? They know what's going to happen and they're expecting it. And they think, you know, if, if your definition that they, they define this war as a success, they will define their own deaths as a success. So, okay. Uh, and I think the Israeli army is happy to provide them that definition of success. Uh, you guys want martyrdom? Happy to oblige. Uh, so I do think that it is a meaningful goal. I can't promise you Israel will succeed. But is it a meaningful goal for a military organization to say, we will dismantle this terrorist organization's infrastructure, capability, ability to carry out intention, ability to plan, ability to coordinate? We've seen examples. It's doable. Even And Hamas is weaker than al-Qaeda and ISIS. That's A. B, when it comes to the hostages, look, I, I don't think anybody is realistically saying that all of these people are coming home safe and sound. There was that father who, who they said that we, we, we haven't found your daughter's body. We think she's alive. And he was heartbroken because he was relieved that he thought she was dead and not in the hands of Hamas. That's how bad this scenario is. I don't know how many can be saved. And I don't think we should think of it as one mass Entebbe. All the people at Entebbe were in one airport room. But here, I don't know where they are. We already were shocked that they pulled out one uh, uh, soldier and saved her, and she's home with her family. And is it reasonable to assume that the army will be able to do more of those as they enter the tunnels, as they enter to the hiding places? Yes. Will it be all 240? I don't think that's realistic. But that we can, with Israeli intelligence, Israeli operatives, Israeli special forces, coordinating with American special forces, can some be saved? Can some be saved diplomatically? In other words, if the goal is we will save as many as can be saved, I think that's achievable. I think you're right that they can't all be saved. But can I push you to put a number on there? If we're sparkling, what is success? I, I, I would not, from our ignorant position of the uninformed. We just don't know enough. We're not on the inside. All we know is what we read in the media. 
So we're, we're woefully uninformed about the intelligence on the inside. So I would not set a number. I, I assume there are people making decisions who have figured out what that number is. And I, and, yeah. and, and, and I absolutely believe they're going to do everything in their power to save those people. But when Netanyahu says there will not be a ceasefire until all the hostages, captives are home. He's saying we're not making a ceasefire and the world should stop blaming us. And if they want a ceasefire, let them yell at Hamas to give us back the hostages. That's rhetoric. That's not military strategy. Right. That's rhetoric to yeah. shut up the ceasefire people because they should shut up. They won't, but he's calling them out as being immoral. Yeah, I think probably the realistic expectation is somewhere in between what you both said in the sense that, yeah. in the sense that, no, not all of Hamas will be dismantled. I mean, we already know that there's Hamas uh, operatives in Lebanon with Hezbollah They're getting orders from, yeah, but currently at least, getting orders from um, from Hamas in the south. And obviously, you know, we don't know the state of the hostages. And, and as the, I think, I guess the more this take, the longer we go here and the more the IDF is able to dismantle the physical uh, city of Gaza and along with the tunnels, hopefully soon, um, they have more and more to, or less and less to lose rather. And so the hostages really is their only um, trading point, is their only advantage. And so as they feel more and more vulnerable, I would assume that they're also going to stop holding them in, 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 in conditions where they can, I guess, stay alive. If, if that is a condition that they're in even now. So uh, can I just add one thing before we change to the next subject? When I say that, all of them are dead, including the ones in Qatar, including the ones in Lebanon. Mm. That isn't just a sense of the just vengeance of an angry nation. That is a strategic necessity. Because in the Middle East, if they walk away with impunity, then it's essentially an announcement to our enemies, go for it anytime you want, and you can walk sure. away clean. It is absolutely. And, 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 and anyone who Israel has to show. It's not only our intention, it's our capability to make them all dead. And I think that's a, that's a strategic necessity, and I don't think Israel's going to shirk it. Uh, just a point of clarity on the captive thing, just in this, um, not that, that Hamas is not the only ones holding captives, right? We know there's yeah. other groups, there's other players in, right. in, in action, like Islamic Jihad, and they have hostages, and we don't know who, but we don't know who's with who because they have not produced any kind of list, and the Red Cross has no access. That's part of the the horribleness of all this and the immorality and all that. Um, but most likely, Hamas doesn't even really know because also there's they're they're subdivided. Okay, that's just a point of clarity. I do want to say just in terms of that idea of decapitating them that we tried that in Lebanon in 1982. With the PLO, no, we didn't. And we got rid of the PLO. We got rid of the PLO from Lebanon. No, we didn't. We got rid of the PLO from Lebanon. We watched them get on boats and sail north oh, to Turkey. No, but we got his bullet. We got them out of the territory, and we got his bullet, which is not the PLO. So we got a whole new, uh, we got a whole new radical thing in enveloped and and encapsulated that territory that that we got rid of the PLO from. Alan Yasser Arafat got on a boat going to a boat got on a boat in Beirut holding up V for Victory signs with all his cohorts. We did not dismantle the PLO. We pushed them out of South Lebanon and allowed them to reorganize. That is different than what the allies did to Yeah, but what do we get in the territory of Lebanon, of Southern Lebanon? What do we get in the territory when we got rid of the PLO? A different organization. Right, even if Hamas as Hamas, we know it. We dismantle it. Either we'll get Hamas back up, or we will get we will get something that's parallel to it. If the goal is to end all future evil, 
I don't think you're right. I don't think we will succeed. It's to destroy an organization responsible for the brutal murder of 1,200 Israelis. I think that is realistic. Right. And I mean, and it seems that that is something that the government does recognize because the goal isn't to dismantle all evil currently. Uh, Okay, let's move on to the next um, part of this debate, which is about the PR war. Um, Now, one of the things that I've heard... Uh, specifically Mary Eisen speak about when she talks about the the war and, and the goals of Hamas was actually that their final goal was to make this a globalized uh, uh, protest or a globalized movement, which they succeeded very, very well in doing, as we can see right now, and all social media and major cities around the world. So so when we talk about the PR war, first of all, just to clarify, the government, our government, the Israeli government, never stated that that Fighting the PR war was a necessity of this war or, or part of, uh, I don't know, a strategic element. Um, however, they have invested uh, recently time and money and specific professionals who are good with Israeli PR. And so now you see a lot more investment from the government in trying to talk to uh, various news sources as well as other um, other countries, other representatives from other countries. And so the question is... Um, is the PR war an important part of the war itself? Is it? Is it? Should it be an addition to, we said, dismantle Hamas, release the hostages? Should the PR war be part of this? Does it need to be part of this? Is it essential? And if so, so how does that kind of success look like if we were to succeed in the PR war? Okay, and I'm taking the position that it is an essential part and it is achievable, mm-hmm. um, whether I agree with it or not. Uh, the position I'm taking is, look, just as... Uh, to a certain extent, you don't want to, well, what's the Nietzsche thing? Uh, be careful when you fight with monsters, lest you become them. I think there's something to that. I also think there's something to, if they are initiating a global war of protest against Israel, I do think it's incumbent upon Israel to make the world clear that that is not a war against Israel. That is a war against civilization. In other words, it, 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 what, what's being put in the crosshairs and what we're seeing on college campuses when people are, you know, we're seeing in the news climbing on lampposts in New York City and ripping down American flags. This is not a war against Israel. This is is the, what Western civilization has built in modernity. Is that something worth keeping going? Is that something worth surviving? Liberty, democracy, freedom, human rights, dignity, equality, minority rights, are all of those things worth fighting for? Because if so, then everyone has to participate in this war. We are just the front line of that war. Uh, so I do think, I do think it's a necessity. Do I think, what? It, again, I think it depends how you define victory. If you define victory that we're going to convince those those people climbing lampposts, pulling down American flags, or ripping off pictures of kidnapped people, because that helps the world, or, uh, you know, people saying, you know, Hamas is, is just, that's what decolonialization looks like. And Hamas is, is a protest organization. We're not going to convince those people. But currently, polling shows that most people in the Western world uh, get that Hamas needs to be destroyed. And so uh, uh, taking down their lies and their propaganda and their garbage needs to be central in the Western world's understanding of what's going on. And I do think that there's a certain amount of success that can be achieved there. Not total. Well, the whole world, because most people aren't paying that much attention and don't care that much. And most people feel bad that, you know, kids are dying in Gaza. And that's fair for them to feel bad that children are dying in Gaza. But at the end of the day, I think they're going to say, 
Israel has to take down Hamas, and Israel can disprove the lies with the people that are, are, are doing that. It's, it's not going to look that way on social media because mm-hmm. Jews are outnumbered a gajillion to one. We're, we're 0.02% of the world population, and I don't even know if we're that much percent of the social media world. So with all the lies and garbage going out there making us crazy, we have to understand that, at least in the free world, and probably in a lot of the world, most people don't care. And when they do care, they get it. So I do think certainly the leaders of the free world seem to get it and they're they're backing us up overall. So I do think it is important and achievable for Israel to engage in that battle. First of all, I think it's a hard question to answer because we have to define like, what do we mean by like winning the PR war? Um, and who who is the... Who who is the population? Is 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 it on campus? Is it is it on social media? Is it in the Western media? Is it by the, the people who make decisions? Which is what Mike was trying to say, kind of saying at the end, the people who make the decisions are still making decisions to be with Israel. But I think that there is a there's a certain. I think that the deck is always going to be stacked against Israel in terms of the PR world. You could say if we look at it, like maybe in the big picture, zoom out. I'm not sure. What, but um, I should say this, uh, uh, quoting the person who said it. I know we're we're taking different sides of this, but it's not fair to use Mike's words against him. But you know, as you said, Jews are a very small part of the world. When you're talking about know, how many how many Muslims are there in the world? A billion Muslims, more right? It's uh, or to more, two billion, two yeah. billion Muslims, right? And it's not saying that all Muslims are against us or all agree with Hamas, but you're talking about much much larger populations of people who are at least who who engage and who do care um they they certainly have those numbers um the thing that i would say in the terms of the pr world that i find um worrisome uh it, there there's a couple trends that are worrisome that looks to me that we are lo- losing this war that, that we're losing this war is if we look at the un i know right if you look at the un right within the first week was it the first week or second week of the war the UN passed a resolution of 120 nations already calling for a ceasefire. That's crazy. Right. That that's that's literally crazy, right? So we can look at like if we look at just the Western world, and we can debate that for I'll um, mention that in a second. But certainly, if we look at the UN as a representative of the world, 120 out of just under 200 nations called for a ceasefire against uh, in Israel, which is which reads, you know. We're not. We're against Israel. Really, a ceasefire at that point reads: we are against Israel. And and I think that that ceasefire call is something we see. Even though I'll, I'll be honest, I'm I'm not engaging as much as I used to in the Western media <laughs> um, because it's just very hard. I find it just very personally hard. So I'm not quite delving in as deeply as I can. But when I do, and I get you know guard my loins and and go in there and look at the New York Times or CNN or um, those places. They're, they 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 always tend to this idea of uh, equivalency of um, of trying to you know I, I, from what from what I'm from what I'm seeing and trying to put in in context and often the numbers right we're we're, we're marking numbers of dead okay someone uh, I say you they killed fourteen hundred of yours which has now been readapted as they're trying to get more clarity on it to 1200 you've killed 14 14,000 of theirs let's call it a day you're done right you've got your ilu revenge that that seems to be a trend that's that's going on and then and 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 certainly um the head of france macron 
mm-hmm. who today walked it back, tried yeah, to walk it back. But he all, you know, he he made a clear statement that Israel is Israel's killing innocents um, and and too much of. Right. He tried to walk it back today. He called President Herzog. But the fact that it was out there is already a significant of that. And of course, we see 500,000 people, 300,000, whatever the numbers keep changing. But hundreds of thousands of people got out in London. Um, uh, and of course, all the other ones we know around the, around the world of these marches. And it, it seems that that's very hard to, to, to say that our narrative is, is, is really gaining a lot of, of, uh, clarity. Uh, you know, and maybe Mike's right. I mean, I, I, you know, the silent majority is the silent majority is with us. But I guess this is my big question: Does the silent majority really help us when the when the if that's true when the 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 minority is so loud and so out there and 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 affecting people? And I, I guess I'll finish with the level of acceptance of anti-Semitism that has gone up shows that the PR war over the last 10 years, 15 years, whatever it is, has made things that used to be completely forbidden now at least debatable in the public sphere, right? It's not a debate. Can you say that or not about that are clearly anti-Semitic statements? That that seems to be a clear turn shift in our PR battle. Yeah. I I have on this topic, I have um I have a question for both of you that it's it's a debate that I've gotten into with a few of my friends. And I think actually for Massa listeners or former Massa participants who are still listening, um alumni. It's interesting because I alumni. I think a lot of people are um are wondering what they should be posting. Should they be, be posting? Should they be reposting? Should they be participating at all? And a few of my friends who are very engaged in social media and the news feel that it is essential that for them uh, that they have a duty almost to post as much as possible to try to combat the the false the false news. I mean, not just the regular news, but rather, you know, TikTok and Instagram and what have you. Um, and my approach personally is, no, we've already lost the battle. Like what you post is going to be reposted by your friends, perhaps. But I don't necessarily think you're going to change anyone's mind. That's my opinion. And I might be very wrong about that. So I guess just one last question. How do you guys feel about that? And for our listeners who are debating whether or not they should, shouldn't, and how they should go about doing that, or maybe they should say, stay silent. What do you think is, do you think it's, it's, it's a necessary thing that, that we all should be participating in because it's better that we all do it. Even if we're a small, like we said, we're a small group of people. We're obviously a minority, but you know, if everyone's sharing it, that could really spread potentially. It has potentials, more potential to spread if we're all sharing as opposed to not sharing is what I'm trying to say. So do you guys have thoughts on that? Do you think it's it's something that should be part of our battle? Forget the government for a second, just like, you know, people who are Israeli, people who are Jewish, people who are supporting Israel. I mean, first of all, I would say I would defer to you because generationally you're, you understand this world much better than I would assume, uh, you know, I don't want to speak for Alan, but I would assume you understand it better than me. Alan is tech Al. <laughs> I, I always defer also because he understands the world. Because you know how much social, social media I get, I yeah, go on. yeah. Uh, I, you know, and I dip in daily to see what's going on. My reaction when I see people posting things that I find affirming is very positive on me. And so I will repost them. And I also have a habit of when I see, not, not so much everybody, but occasionally when I see something egregiously immoral posing as like highfalutin morality, I'll sometimes just make a sarcastic response just to make myself feel better. 
Mm. So to me, the goals aren't, am I going to win any arguments on social media? Because any argument that you win on social media, I don't consider a worthy argument. But I do I do repost things that my friends are like, oh, thanks for sharing that. So like, score. So it's making an effect, yeah. Yeah, it makes my friends feel better and my friends make me feel better. And, you know, there are these, I don't know if they're professionals or whatever they are, social media people who are just posting all day long. You know, I see a Chaviv Retegur and I'm like, yay, approve. Like, that was good, Chaviv. Like, you said that good. So that's that's what I think it really does. I, I, I don't think the social media world is the real world in, in any really meaningful way. So you're like, I, I, I'm happy your friends are doing that. And I'll bet you I'll see some of the things they've shared and it'll make me feel better. And I wouldn't tell, do whatever makes you feel better. If that if, if your friends feel like they're fighting the good fight for doing that, great. Good, keep it up, guys. Like, uh, I think that's terrific. Do I think that'll win over the... No. But I think for our... Like, for Masai listeners, for people on, on our side, it's good to see the truth. It's good. When 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 Chaim Herzog was uh, ambassador to the UN back in the 70s, he would get up to speak and a third of the room would walk out because they didn't recognize Israel's right to exist. And somebody... I remember a journalist back home asked him, like, why do you even prepare these speeches? He said, I'm not giving the speech for them. I'm giving it for us. We should know that the truth was told. So for me, that's that's a good enough reason to post. Mm-hmm. But I just want to say, I just I would only the only thing I would add to it as a to punch the idea that Mike I think was getting at is everybody should be involved. How you get involved is like where you feel your space is and what's good for you. If you feel good, if you're strong on social media and that's something that you're clicked in and that you like, so do it. Be there. It will help someone, um, and it will be good. Putting out that positive energy in the world is good. And, uh, you know, and it goes with everything. It also goes with if social media isn't your thing and something else is, whatever, you know, um, you know, speaking up in class or, or you know, or I, I would, you know, know when, I guess this is not going to go out, but there's the big march on Wa- Washington on Tuesday, and hopefully people will get out there that that is a, uh, we were talking about before we started recording how important that is. So I just think the idea is where you feel your space is, you should be there doing your thing in terms of putting um, out their support for for Israel and the Jewish people. I think right now, great. I think that's yeah. very Jewish. Bring positivity and, and move things forward. Definitely, and everyone should play some kind of part. I think that's a really good message. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thank you guys. This was I feel like very clarifying in terms of just what we define as success and not success and also very realistic in terms of what our capabilities are what the future could potentially hold in a pretty realistic way um so thank you both thank you for the debate and uh we'll see you next time you've been listening to the israel conversation by the Massa leadership and impact center in everything we do we hope to connect our fellows to israel as home that are Masaf in Israel and understand more about Israel and all of its diversity. We connect our fellows to Jewish peoplehood, to feel an affinity for Judaism and a sense of belonging to the Jewish people. The connection is active and meaningful in their lives. And finally, personal development. And in the case of this podcast, our goal is that you'll be able to use the tools and learning for reflection and future development in conversations about Israel and Judaism. If this episode is meaningful to you, please subscribe and share with somebody that you think it will be meaningful to.